0: Welcome to the Pure Desire Podcast, helping you take back your life from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. Happy day to you, listener. I am your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 318 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me as always is my co-host, Nick Stempo. I'm coming back to oh the my gosh.
1: heart of worship. Oh, man. Okay, who originally, do you about about remember who originally, you. was
0: that a Matt Redmond song?
1: It's all about okay. you. I'm going sing the whole <laughs> thing, so culture. just sit back and relax. Gee, no, I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Redmond sounds, yeah, Matt Redmond, that sounds right.
0: Somebody want to look it up? You know, it's no? one of those Anybody songs else?
1: that like has a great story behind it, and, and then it got so oversung. And Oh my gosh. Uh, that's a
0: 90s worship song, right?
1: Yeah, I think late 90s, early 2000s.
0: Yeah. What? Matt Redmond, what Matt do Redman you know? Learned, well, he also wrote a book called Heart of Worship, so I yeah, guess that's, there you go. yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, we had Josh and Shauna Putnam on today to share their story of healing, and Josh still happens to be the worship pastor at the church that you and I go to, which is why I'm guessing you picked the late 90s Matt Redman song.
1: Yeah, you know, worship leader, worship song. Uh, I think also the, the heart of that song, if you will, oh. uh, <laughs> is is really how the, the form of something can in many areas of life become more important than the substance or what it's actually about. And that's what Matt Redman was saying was like, we've made this whole 30 minute worship set with the lights and the guitars and, and the acoustics and whatever else we've made that more important than actually coming before an all living, you know, all powerful God and and worshiping him for who he is. And, and I think in a lot of what we're going to hear in today's st- story of healing with Josh and Shauna is how maybe his need for reputation and for esteem, Uh, became more important than actually what he was being esteemed for. And for any one of us, I think that's a huge part of our story is the facade, uh, the external appearance is something we start to protect even when maybe internally we're crumbling. And God has to, in his gentleness and truth, bring us to a place where we finally confront that to say, you know, who cares what it does to my image or reputation? I've got to deal with what's going on in the inside and kind of come back to the heart of who God's really calling me to be. And so I just, I feel like that was a big theme in today's talk and, and the whole worship leader thing, the the song is what came to mind. So
0: yeah, there you go. Uh, Well, I mean, let's just, let's carry that a little further. He just so happens to be the worship leader for this year's summit and is that uh, confirmed that is a confirmation nice Uh, yep josh putnam um so and josh is a buddy of mine he's been a friend for a while but um he is and i'm not just saying this he's one of the best worship leaders i've ever heard he's incredibly talented and i will tell you that you should come to the summit anyway but if you like really good worship then there's like this added little bonus uh but i don't know can you think of other reasons why people should come to the summit You know, that pretty much covers it. (laughs) No, I I agree. There's something about a worship leader who has his
1: own story, and it's like it comes across in the feel and the style, and people who've been at the summit last year could probably agree and just be like, man, there's something meaningful to it. And to me, that is just like one snapshot of – the number of people who said, oh, and then in the, you know, the foyer, I had this conversation with someone and it helped me in this way. And then we went out to dinner with friends and this moment happened. And then I went to a breakout and God showed me this. And, and the next speaker, it just feels like the summit is full of these moments that, that we can't recreate anywhere else. And, and we don't want you to miss it because we all feel like there's need for encouragement in our healing. And whether we're in year one or year 25, like it's that moment of perspective and clarity and, and new insights and direction that I think fuels us. For another year of, of what God is calling us to, whether we're leading group or in a group or just looking to be a good parent, spouse, friend, whatever the case might be, uh, the summit is full of those moments. And so uh, we don't want you to miss them, and we'd love to see you and get to have some of those moments
0: with you. Yes, September 15 and 16, and it's in person. You can watch it online, watch party, host sites. It It's awesome. There's a lot of opportunities to see this event and be a part of it, and you can register at puredesire.org slash summit. All right. Subscribe to the podcast, all the major platforms. I say it every week. I know, I know, I know. Write us a review. Uh, Write us a review. Write us a review. Okay. Uh, Also follow us on social media at Pure Desire, PDMI. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And uh, I think that's it. Let's just get into the episode. Here is Josh and Shauna Putnam's story of healing. Josh and Shauna Putnam, thanks for being here. We're really excited. How do you guys feel? We're happy to be here.
2: Yeah, thanks for inviting us.
0: A little nervous. Yeah. Which is funny because we'll get into it, I'm sure, a little bit, but you literally sing in front of like a thousand people every single weekend at church, and you're <laughs> nervous to sit across the table from Nick and I.
3: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We both go to your church. Yeah.
0: So, okay. Well, um, this is actually, we originally had it slotted for you guys to come on a while ago to share your story. Um, And some people who have kept up with us maybe have seen your story of healing. There's an aspect of it uh, that we have that we've put online, um, and it's even in the group pathway that we have. So either way, we're excited to finally hear the story of healing. Um, And we love these opportunities because it creates um, really just an experience where people can hear both sides, that it's not just this is what I you know, was going through when I was struggling, but also how it impacts a marriage and where you guys are at now and how it affects parenting. And so just keep that in mind as we get into these questions. Um, So the first question is really just looking at family of origin. And this is going to be for both you guys. Um, What was it like in the culture in your home when it came to sex and sexuality? And how do you feel like that informed where you're at or really what brought you to the big struggles?
3: Yeah, I can start on that one. Um, We didn't talk about sex and sexuality. I'm one of six kids. some fifth. I did not realize I know. That. People Remember pay you? me as an only, but which I take offense to personally. Sure. What, where are you in the order? I'm the fifth. Yeah. So my mom was pretty checked out. She was working nights. Uh, and so she just had nothing left. I think just chemically imbalanced. And so now she's a completely different person. I mean, she's the best grandma ever. But Mm -hmm. she wasn't really present mentally uh, for my upbringing. So that was part of it. But also, we just didn't really talk about sex and sexuality. She has this story, uh, my mom does, of us on a walk, me and her. She says I was nine. But uh, she kind of itched her pants. And I said, Mom, don't itch your penis in public. (laughs) And she had to explain to me at nine years old. Wow. Some human anatomy there. So, uh, so that was a thing. And then when I was, yeah, what? I mean, I went to a private Christian school, so we had like the talk at school, and all the dads came in. It was a really cool thing. But my dad did not want to have the talk with me, and basically just refused. Like I was, I would always ask him, like, Dad, everybody's getting the talk. What is the talk? What is? What are we talking about? And uh, oh, you know, just dodge. And when I, when I started to get into pornography at the, on the home computer and we'll get into this, I'm sure in other questions, but, uh, you know, my mom found out the you know, I've got viruses on the computer and what's going on, yeah. figured it out it was me. And my, my mom is kind of facilitating the whole thing and she wants my dad to have the conversation with me. And so he sits me down on my bed in my room and we're sitting there and it felt like I didn't even understand what he was talking about. I didn't. He wasn't making any sense i wasn't in trouble which was really weird because i knew what i was doing was wrong and it was just this weird experience and um and so that was kind of my family of origin we didn't really talk about it there wasn't a ton of shame around it. it just wasn't a conversation and i learned most of the stuff from youth group yeah totally in a positive way yeah yeah
2: yeah then for me my parents divorced when i was five And so, um, yeah, both my folks, though, were believers. And so I was raised knowing that, you know, knowing biblical truth, I suppose. And both my parents had wholesome values. And I would say, like, as far as sexuality in the home, like, I learned a lot from shows and TV and then um, piqued a lot of curiosity at a young age. And I think just being set up with the divorce at a young age, around five, it really geared me to be more susceptible towards fascination. Uh, I didn't know it until maybe later, way later in life, like fantasy, you know, like I remember staying home from school and seeing soap operas and things like that, that would just give me like, you know, just curiosity. And so, um, yeah, just having that void of what I was going through with my folks, um, not realizing that was setting me up to be, Uh, I would say a love addict, like now that I know the terminology through Pure Desire, but just more uh, fascinated towards that. But as far as like the culture in the home, I would say just, I just always knew there was shame around it. So that was, that's how it felt. It felt like if my parents knew that I was like watching this or seeing it, it always felt like a, you know, no, that's that's naughty and stuff, but it was not really talked about as to why or um, yeah, it felt just shameful. So it wasn't an easy thing. And even still, it's just awkward to navigate. Like, you know, like the fact that I have sex with my husband feels a little bit awkward. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe everybody feels that I way. I mean,
3: not in the moment, in <laughs> no. the moment, you know, she doesn't feel that way at no. all. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> thank for clarifying. For clarifying. Yeah. Good you Lord. Know I mean? That's
2: just hard to shake off when <laughs> yeah. you're raised in that culture. Like yeah. then you get that's married a real and thing. it's absolutely yeah, very totally.
3: real thing.
1: It's amazing how much yeah. that is. I think Everyone's story, I and mean, maybe not every single person, but to some degree, we did not grow up in environments that knew how to talk about sexuality in right. a normalized yeah. way. And then we get into marriage and it's just like, well, good luck, figure it out. you yeah. know? And, and and I think everybody hopes that it's going well, but even then no one knows how to talk about it. And then we raise kids and we create the same awkward conversations unless we've been brought to places where we deal yeah, with it. And totally. and that's the story we wanna get into. And so for you, Josh, when did you realize that sexual brokenness, pornography was a problem? And then also for you, Shauna, what was your awareness of it? Um, was there any awareness pre-marriage that this is the kind of thing guys struggle with or was it not until marriage that you discovered something of Josh's story? So for both of you, where did this yep. kind of become an issue?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I knew from the beginning that Pornography, lust was wrong, and and all the way through, I never really had a moment in my addiction where I was resigned to it. I just was always against it. I was just totally stuck, and um, and that was just it was just clear from my upbringing that this stuff is wrong. Um, so I didn't really have a a moment when I realized, oh, this is all kind of messed up I knew from the beginning I was very confused by all of it when I kind of stumbled into it I was very confused but I also knew oh I shouldn't be doing what I was doing yeah
1: but was so was there a point where you were like I I really need to stop or this is going to be a problem in my marriage if I don't stop or what oh yeah What was maybe the first real attempt to say this isn't just thing of boys that boys do this is like this is going to be a problem if I don't change
3: I never even felt like it was a thing that boys do. I always yeah. felt like it was a problem, and I made these goals in my head. Oh, well, when I'm a when I'm a sophomore, I'm gonna be free from this. Like, I love I'm not how arbitrary
0: no. the goals are. You
3: know, I when literally... I'm thirteen and a half, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> you totally. know, it's like, yeah. but we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sophomore, junior, senior. Uh, these are all literally yeah. happened. Yeah. I remember thinking, and then uh, all these other milestones. Okay, I'm I'm out of grades in high school to quit, and I'm out. I'm okay. So. Well, when I get married, I definitely have to have this beat. Well, that wasn't the case. And then, um, and when I have my first kid, and well, we were kind of, that's kind of part of our story is we had a stillbirth with our first, that was my rock bottom. And I heard somebody say recently, you get to choose your rock bottom. I thought that was excellent. Um, But anyway, uh, we're kind of getting ahead probably in the story, but just all of these milestones, just I realizing. Think, and
2: just adding on to that, Josh, is, Josh has kind of like a, a log because he's written so many songs. And so, so many of his earliest songs are him wrestling with this. And mm. you can hear, I mean, it's yeah. very blatant, you know, and some of the lyrics, but it's neat for me. Just like, you know, he, you just, you asked me about it with Josh. He did tell me early on in our, um, even I think as friends that that was something he he dealt with, and so it didn't take me by surprise when we when I basically had the moment in our uh, first year of marriage that I like discovered his phone and um, saw what he had searched. I didn't see any photographs, but I saw the search history. And anyway, um, I wasn't taken by surprise, but it was it was still shocking. I I didn't I was in the dark that that was still in our marriage at the time. Um. yeah, but it wasn't like, again, I knew Josh's heart. I always knew Josh's heart was that was not something he wanted to deal with, and it was something he was willing to fight to the end for um, restoration. I just think he was ill-equipped, unfortunately, and he was. Yeah,
0: Yeah. well put. So what were, because, I I mean, you know it's wrong when you're young and you're setting these, like, mile markers. By this point, I'm going to be done with it. There had to have been some things that you tried, like either books you read or people you talked to or whatever, so that's kind of the first part is for you. And then even the second part, Shauna, for you, like once you found out, what were some of the strategies you guys used? So Josh, your strategies before marriage, and then what were the strategies together that you tried to battle this addiction?
3: Yeah, I had reached out to different people to kind of, I didn't know, even know what getting help looked like. I'd never heard of groups um, until I got into one, but I would just one-off message people at low moments. And and just throughout my life, including (laughs) pastors too. (laughs) Yeah, I I had two pastors that I talked to. One was actually helpful, but the other was like, "Yeah, we as guys kind of struggle with stuff like this." And I'm like, "Are you saying you're struggling too?" (laughs) Like, yeah, Yeah. you're supposed to be like put together and have at least point me where to go. Now I feel really hopeless because if you're stuck, so anyhow, um, that was one strategy. And just being, you know, I was raised in the church. I love the Lord. I remember. I don't even think I've shared this with you. I shaved my head, and I fasted for three days nice. as a young person. But like I, this was an very example biblical. of extreme very biblical of you. Yeah, I know, right? very biblical. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Did you put ash on your head too? And I, like, I, oh, we okay. didn't have any at okay. the time. It was summer. <laughs> no, I so. think we were dating, okay. and I was
2: I was not into the haircut at the time. Oh, we were dating. <laughs> I mean, looking way. at your hair now,
0: I can tell why. Like he's got gray hair. Why yeah. would you? Yeah, okay. She cuts it. It's Keep good. going.
3: Um, and so I was taking. What I felt like were pretty extreme, definitely socially uh measures to try to fix this thing that I just had no clue I was just Ill- i was ill equipped and i but I also was i was self protecting my own uh I was keeping myself safe and insulated from
2: I revealing my
3: true self really
2: yeah, I see that too, just because even. In our early, because we sadly had a very long, like, I want to say six years that was just that, that attempt, Josh, you know, like the staggered disclosures Mm -hmm. and him trying, trying, but in his own because there was nothing. We didn't, it's not that we, there was nothing. I think that what I'm tacking on to what he said about the, like, insulating himself. He could have, in hindsight, should have sought out more right. this this ministry for example like quick google search or yeah. something like that but at the time it felt like there was nothing there was no one but also that is a protection mechanism and a um procrastination yeah even. Yeah. yeah totally
1: so did you feel, I mean, I think I know you guys well enough that I can ask this. If you're not yeah. comfortable answering, just let me know. But did you feel, Sean, and knowing that was still a part of his story, did you feel pressure then as a wife? Like, well, I've got to fix him. I've got to help be a part of making things better. How did you navigate what I feel a lot of spouses can feel in that area?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me, I had more of the... um ultimatum reaction of probably as a protection mechanism as well but just like yeah that was what I wanted to do I wanted to shove his face in it and make it you know give him ultimatums if you don't then whatever so I'm sure that kept him in the dark even more wanting to hide from me even more but I felt like that was my maybe that's just the way I was raised with two older brothers like I had to you know put up a fight or whatever but be tough totally So I didn't have like more of that, I don't know if you'd call that enabling, like, I don't know. I didn't take the responsibility. I definitely felt like you, you better shape up, you know, but it was a tough combination because Josh is wired a bit more like shame based already. So he's like tail between his legs, tail Mm -hmm. between his legs. And then I'm more like shove the puppy's face in the poo kind of thing. And it just was not a great combination, honestly.
1: Yeah, well, and henceforth, what you describe is just kind of the totally. six years yeah. of the yeah. chaos cycle. And, yes, yeah. and difficulty. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Whatever strategies they tried, whether it's right. the hard line of you know change or else, or mm-hmm. more of the soft line of hey, let's fix this together by trying to have enough sex that you don't need it anymore. I mean, right. on both sides of that, people find this isn't really changing things. We're just stuck in kind of the yeah. same cycle. And so you you mentioned it, but as you look back if, during those six years, like. What were some of the hurdles or maybe barriers that kept you from seeking out help from other places, maybe pursuing like in-depth counseling? Like, were, were there things that you feel kept you from pursuing some of that?
2: What comes to mind right now is image management. Hmm. I think is probably the biggest one, like for both of us. I yeah. think I wouldn't, I even personally, I probably wouldn't want people knowing that my husband struggled with that because that's, you know, I didn't know other people who were dealing with this. So it was kind of like, let's just fix this on our own. Let's fix this and then, (laughs) you know, get it together. And
3: yeah, that's, that was my thing too. It was, I, I wanted to protect whatever reputation I felt like I had. And, you know, at the time and being young, I wanted to be a famous musician, songwriter, artist. It's like, well, that's not the best way to get famous—is <laughs> to be the porn guy or Here something. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. and, uh, and so that, honestly, as silly as that sounds, that was a big motivating factor for me—that of of keeping it small and keeping it mostly within myself. Yeah. And then, in yeah, that staggered disclosure with my wife, and and then the couple people I could trust to try mm-hmm. to kind of break out, but ultimately it came down to that, uh, lowest moment. And that was the thing I had to face was, am I willing to be known as the porn guy? Like to be, to have that be what other people think my identity is, even though I don't feel like that's who I am. It's just something I'm struggling with at the moment, you know, back then. So, uh, yeah. I feel like, too,
0: a hurdle you guys probably experienced, because what you're describing of like tail between your legs and yeah. then rub the puppy's face in it, that you guys were stuck in this pattern where there wasn't anything because you didn't let other people in. There was no one to help you break out of that exactly. cycle. So it just yeah. self-perpetuated, mm-hmm. which probably made you feel more shame and make you feel more angry. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it's yeah. just this huge. So, you know, it's over time, it's just going to blow up.
3: Yeah, that pattern is dead now. That's and that has been a game changer for our marriage. Uh, Because I couldn't, I couldn't, anger was too much. My dad was angry growing up, so I didn't want to be angry. Yeah. And I was never angry. I mean, no one in my life would have noticed me ever be angry because that was probably the worst sin in my mind. And I didn't want to be that part of my dad. But there is a healthy amount of anger and being able to do that without sinning. That's totally a thing. And, um, that also means you like your anger gets you up in the morning to like face some challenges. And so we do conflict completely differently. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. was hundred percent due to the pure desire process mm-hmm. yeah. is seeing how, okay, my brain is always responding in this one way. And I'm mm-hmm. just in flight. Yeah. I'm just in flight. And there's all these, there's freeze, which I don't want to try. Yeah, <laughs> I don't right. want to be, I don't want to be yeah, that category. Sure. And then there's fight, which I've never really tried. Yeah. And so I kind of started toying with it in, in as much health as I could manage. And it started helping our conflict recovery. Mm. And yeah. that's, all, that's all stuff that's like the stuff we should have learned to try. Like these yeah. were the big hurdles because for yeah. me, understanding that pornography and lust and all of that is a symptom of the problems that are going against the grain of God's design for us in life. and. I was just I was so I was so living off of credit cards of just I can't be angry and I so I was all bottled up and I had to pay for that somewhere yeah and porn was where I Mm. paid for it even though it was just credit card debt it's not real it's not real intimacy Mm.
0: I feel like Dave Ramsey just like (laughs) screamed out of excitement because of that illustration I feel like that's a great (laughs) illustration Um, so at some point though, in our story, right, it just clicks, everything just kind of comes together and you feel like, okay, you finally understand, you know, what this whole thing is about and how to get better. What was that moment like for both of you? Tell us about that moment.
3: Do you want to go first?
2: Sure. I would just say pure desire. Yeah. (laughs) Josh getting into a group and, and it started clicking for him first. So that was exciting because I could just see he was, I mean, there was immediate fruit. There was excitement because he was he knew he was on the road to recovery and that was really exciting and he was developing new language like the faster scale and just bringing me along along with him and Mm -hmm. it was just it's it took something that had been obviously such a hard and hidden and cyclical problem for a long time and it became like There is hope. There's a road. There's a path. There's clarity. And we're going to do this. And so that
0: started when you came to Good Shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. The church right now. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, so that probably happened a little bit more for her then. Yeah. But I had started to experience that the six months to a year before Mm -hmm. that when Mm -hmm. I first got into my first group. So just a little timeline. We we lose our son, Peter. We had a stillbirth at 18 weeks. 20 weeks. 20 weeks. I always say 20 and then you said 18.
2: Nope. <laughs> We're
3: gonna have to fight about this. Yeah, loop, right? sure. <laughs> so eighteen to twenty weeks. Okay, yeah. And uh, do you want to role play what a fight would look like right now? For the no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I already won. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pay for that one later.
3: So we have this—the most tragic experience in my life—and I think you'd say the same thing. It devastated me. I—I I couldn't get out of bed. Uh, It was three months of just depression. And during that time, you know, we're doing a lot of reflecting. And Shauna asked me just kind of out of the blue one day, like, so how are you doing? And how are you doing means? Are you doing porn? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a split second to decide just like all the other times she'd asked me that. And I lied because of all of this cycle that we're talking about. Yeah. And I asked her, do you really want to know? And she, you thought about it for a second, like you thought about it. And she said, yes. And then I spilled the beans and, you know, she was aware of some of this stuff over the years. And, um, but we were avoiding it. We were totally avoiding it. And we're just not going to really, we're just going to hope this gets better. And, um, and so that was the, the pivotal moment for me. That was rock bottom. And I, I devoted myself to going to this group that I found online, a bunch of old guys, and I go this first time, I share my story, I'm just bawling to them, I don't know these guys. And, you know, they're nice enough, but it's in a warehouse. Mm -hmm. I mean, the church wouldn't even, it wasn't even in like (laughs) a church building. It was, the church owned a warehouse, and we were in the warehouse, (laughs) funny. And, uh, but, and a lot of people have a tough time in those group environments. For me, it was really what I needed, Mm. because I made the decision that I was gonna go every Wednesday, no matter if I had a good week or a bad week. And that was really helpful for me not to be also in this kind of weird relationship with my wife. And I saw this in the group where you had guys where their accountability partner is their wife. And it's just like, how are you even alive right now? And so having the help that I needed and actually getting some sobriety while also being able to maintain some health in our marriage and not have this like, Um, staggered, Mm -hmm. relapsed, you know, it's just was difficult. And so she understood and was supportive of me and that process with so much wisdom, I think, just hindsight, because we didn't know any of the pure desire stuff. Yeah,
2: it was just him stepping into the light. I mean, it was a big deal, really big deal. Mm -hmm. And I will say, too, like when he mentions that conversation where he asked, do you really want to know? I think this is the first I really felt like, you know, those maybe couple of times in life where you feel like the Lord, like it's you hear his voice clearly and for me it was a moment and I felt like I had a moment of you've done this the same way every time Sean, like I heard the Lord say this to me like you've done this, you try something different you know and it was like it took me a minute my initial response was definitely anger but I did think like why don't I try something different, why don't I mm-hmm. lend a different uh r- response this time yeah. and And I did, I had a moment where I realized like, okay, I actually, I know that I'm not perfect either. Like I actually, you know, my brain can go off on like fantasizing sometimes about a life that I don't actually have or something like that. And just, there was a, it was a split second, but the Lord showed me you're not perfect either. And I felt like I, in that moment, I decided to Respond to Josh in that way, and just just extend grace, like for the first yeah. time, and that was, I know, for him and me both, it, that was also the beginning of like, okay, well, let's do this together on yeah, the same yeah. team instead That's of. Cool. And that was
3: the grace part of it is that I could see that she was willing to do it with me, totally, and not, yeah, you're okay or you're not at fault or anything like that. It was she's my wife right now still, and not
2: <sighs> right, yeah, shoving his face. In that was huge. Whatever.
3: I did want to connect, too, because I started going to this first group for about a year. And I started to experience some sobriety, which I was legitimately surprised by. Because I was under the illusion that literally 100% of all guys were, were me and struggling in the same ways that I was. I was convinced every guy, every pastor, everything. And so I was really disillusioned in that way. But when I moved up here and got connected at Good Shepherd, I met Trevor at our church. I was new, a new hire at the church. And I connect with Trevor and he's like, you should probably do Pure Desire. And I was, I was looking for a group because I knew, well, I'm, I'm not at my old group. Right. I don't want to fall back Yeah, and I need to keep this going. And so I got into Pure Desire group. And that's where I learned all of these tools that I was not getting at my other group, which was great and useful for me and helpful. But I started to learn why I was experiencing some sobriety, some healthy male relationships that I really needed. And so I was learning all these tools as well. And a lot of that healing, I think, of my brain and understanding, oh, this is something that can be maintained, came from pure desire. And that just really got me jazzed because I was I was nervous. I'm mm-hmm. in the dark. I don't know why I'm not relapsing because all <laughs> right. of my relapses in the past were out of my control, yeah. I felt like. yeah. yeah. And so yeah. what if something comes out of the blue and I right. lose it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, you guys are getting into some of the tools and, and let's talk more about those. But I, I did want to just point out for listeners, you know, it's, it's a beautiful part of your story, Shauna, offering grace to Josh and the way that you guys as a couple could uh, address this issue. I just know for some people that's not been their experience um, where they've maybe offered grace over and over and yeah. o- over only to have it be abused yeah. or mm-hmm. to become licensed. Oh, they, you know, she didn't seem that mad about it and it became part of their pattern. And so I just, I guess I want to say to listeners, like every story is different yeah. and the, the point isn't, well, here's the one magical way to get your spouse to change. I think what I'd point out from sh- what Shauna shared there is how, she was listening to the voice of God about how she could respond. And I think in any marriage, if that's our heart, like, I, I need to know what is the best way for me to respond. Because I think in some marriages, strong boundaries and a strong response Absolutely. of, I'm, I don't yeah. need to put up with this is appropriate. And in other circumstances, offering grace is what's needed. It's just. Every story, every situation is so different, but I I love that what you guys described, I do think is the goal, is however possible, what could we do to get a couple to see we can actually work on this together? And it doesn't mean we do the same things, that the, the journey is very different for the struggler and the spouse, but if there's some sense of we can both do our part and yet we can stay as a couple That's, that's powerful. And I think you guys found a pathway into that. And so let's go more into some of these tools that you're talking about. And for you, Shauna, like what were things you discovered? What were some of those key elements that started to create a healthy environment in your marriage and create freedom uh, for the long haul? Hmm.
3: Did I start with you? Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know that, I mean, just
2: what comes to mind initially is the faster scale. I think that for me was, and Josh, but. It it was like I think that's actually what was the baby step. I think I listened to your guys's podcast on that, so that opened the door to this podcast, which was also an amazing yeah. uh, like a, an amazing uh, resource for me early on. Before I had joined a group, I was able to just kind of binge on your guys's. And you said join a group. You
3: joined. a betrayal Oh yeah, and beyond I did.
2: Group. I I eventually joined a betrayal and beyond group, which was amazing. Um, but before that, I had done a lot, like listened to I don't know. Tons of the episodes that were just so eye opening for me because it helped me to um, just continue down the path of realizing that I'm maybe I'm not manifesting in the same way, or like my coping mechanism doesn't look the same as Josh's, but I too get on the faster scale. I too have coping mechanisms. I hit relapse whether it's binge eating late at night or you know scrolling on my phone or whatever like i it was just the eye opening moment for me i mean moments it was a, a time of life where i was learning so much and um my mind was just being kind of renewed and be, yeah and then of course the group was really powerful too there's different elements that were just healing because like being in a group with other women and seeing like there were beautiful women in my group. And so that alone was like, okay, all of these women are here. They're beautiful. Men are married to them. And they're obviously not the reason that their husbands are struggling. So that just helped me to, to like affirm what Josh had always told me that it wasn't like me and my body. It wasn't like, he he never wanted me to see it as a personal issue, but as a woman, that's a very natural feeling and reaction. So that was healing in itself, just sitting in a room with other women. So lots of lots of things were pivotal but i would say um learning about the faster scale you know having it become more personal to me and realizing like josh is a human a sinful human and so am i you know mm-hmm.
3: yeah all of the tools are so good i um i'll have conversations with with especially younger guys who first get into group and then they'll tell me oh it's it's not going very well or different things and i say are you making your phone calls every week? No, we don't really do phone calls. What? How? How do you do it without the phone calls? And then like the double bind. How does that? What's the double bind again? I always get confused by that one. It's like the double bind is <laughs> is like what I li- I live in. Mm, yeah, I live in the right. world which is full of double binds. Yeah. And the double and so and if I can just talk about the double bind for a second <laughs> is now i feel like i have to explain it can you explain it really quick and then i'll riff off of that uh <laughs>
0: sure a double bind a really easy way to say it is like a damned if you do damned if you don't i didn't situation. want to I, just, yeah, I didn't want to
3: cuss that's, that was my real that's, problem that's fine that's fine we got that out yeah there.
0: but that and that's not swearing it's like damning something to hell is not you know josh well, goodness gracious to each
3: his own. Well, so okay you so you now have so we have so to have put the explicit do tag this.
0: on this episode josh thanks a lot <laughs> go ahead
3: so if we already because i already said penis earlier so Never mind. We can cut all this out, keep, right? We, keep nope, going. we are keeping it in. Okay, so the double bind, you have, <laughs> you have this thing where something is in your life that you don't want to have to face. And you, you don't want to have to face it because whatever you do, you're going to have to face a consequence or a problem from it. And whether that's having a conversation with your wife about restrictions on your phone, that's a double bind. Because... I want restrictions on my phone, but if I don't talk to her about it, then who's going to put the restrictions on my phone? Or, I mean, there's a million double binds. And all of those, the word that kind of comes back is procrastination. And that was a thing for me is in my life, if I have a lot of that going on in my life, I start to ramp up on that faster scale. And if I can manage procrastination and deal with my double binds. And that's just dealing with life. Like that's just being healthy, paying your bills on time and doing these basic things you wouldn't think are related to sexual addiction, but end up being a bigger deal than trying to bat away a temptation or like a rubber band trick thing. Um, Trying these little hacks when, you know, you actually have to deal with your life and have know where you are and kind of a little bit about where you're going. And, uh, and the tools are really, really helpful yeah. to do that.
0: What I think so interesting about the answers we get to this question is they are tools, but it's not like I, I want to be careful with this. Like, it's not that I was tempted sitting at my computer at 1230 at night to watch porn and masturbate and I prayed really hard and then things got better. Like, there are tools yeah. that are very holistic. Like, there are tools that... Using the double bind, understanding that it's not just that I'm a sexual person and that I have temptations that causes me to pursue porn and masturbation. And like just being around other people, you know, who are beautiful people that have husbands too, like that in and of itself was healing. But that's not like choosing to not freak out at your husband for relapsing again. Like that's so different. I just think it's so interesting because this question we're looking for those like silver bullet things. And right. I, one of the things I've heard Nick say a lot. And I'm probably going to butcher it. So if you'd like to just take it and run with it, you can. But that idea that like, um, if you have to repair a ship, don't do it in the middle of a storm, do it before you even set out to sea. And that idea of knowing that there are things that lead you down the faster scale to then get to relapse because knowing that, okay, this thing that happened, this double bind I had to face, I didn't do it. And now I feel shame about it, which means I'm procrastinating and other things, right. which makes you feel more shame, which makes me isolate. And then, right. And so it's just all connected. And that's what I love about. Really, the whole process yeah. mm-hmm. is that it's so connected with all aspects of who we are. Mm-hmm.
3: But initially, it's hard to make those connections. Totally, 100 percent. 100 percent. Yes. And now, being on the other side of that, I, I see it everywhere that I am. I feel like a psychoanalyst because, you know, <laughs> I mean, you guys experience this. You somebody totally. walks in and you're like, yeah, I've got to read on this person because, <laughs> yeah. all of those things are I'm doing those, it right now. Those patterns. Yeah, <laughs> just <kidding>. yeah. <laughs> you. it's you, Trevor. Nothing. You got
0: anything? Did <laughs> you, I you, did I get your quote right? You guys covered it. Okay. Good. Good know. <laughs> okay. So um this is and I, I kinda go back to Josh what you said earlier about wanting to be this like famous musician and yep. a songwriter. And and two, I'm sure you had aspirations, you know, I don't know if it's to be a celebrity, but you have these things where you talked about image management. Because this is so private and so personal, breaking out of that mold is really difficult. So what is it that caused you guys to get that courage, like, no, 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 we need to share our story, and we people need to know what we're going through. What was that experience like for you guys?
2: I think Josh just kind of, like, I think he had an opportunity to speak at young adults or high school group or something like yeah. that. Just being in the church, there's a lot of opportunity for that, just, um, and so he just was like, he, he just got the courage to do it, and I was like, you go, go for it, He's and I'm behind dude. you, yeah. yeah. We and talked
3: about it beforehand though. I wanted to make yeah. sure she was okay with Which me is always sharing. always a good story. idea. Yeah. 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 I yeah. said many times. Yeah. Quick caveat. <laughs> don't yeah. share anything
2: on stage that will be a
1: surprise to your spouse. <laughs> yep. Totally. But yep. If your spouse is with you like you said, I was with him, like that's awesome. Yeah. Totally. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I I knew that that was a big deal for him to even consider that because talk about ste- stepping into the light, you mm. know, as mm. some you guys know, somebody in the church, a prominent person in the church to to be willing to not be able to manage your image anymore. Totally. You know, it's it's all yeah. out there. But I thought that was an awesome part of the healing. It was kind of like a, I don't know. I want to say closure, but that's it's never like done. I but think you that's know, felt almost
3: that. a good word. It it because it it's the very thing. It's the last thing I wanted. So, and that was the thing I needed to do. To begin my journey in healing was to let go of my reputation. And you know, I could have family members that listen to this podcast or yeah. you know what I mean? Or my bosses or wh- yeah. whoever. And uh and to just that was the thing I had to decide back when I was deciding whether I was gonna go to that first group is am I gonna be willing to let this be out in the open? Yeah. And that answer yes, just kind of for me, and I don't think this is for everybody, but for me it had to carry through. Mm-hmm to my whole life. And I, I love it because I don't like doing this. (laughs) I don't like, you know, I mean, this is fun. Now it's fun to be with you guys, but you know, it's a little bit scary and a lot of it scary. (laughs) And when it's, when it's over, it's this re it's reintegrating and it's allowing the Lord to work for the good. What was evil Mm -hmm. In my life and getting to do that with other young people. I love having this conversation with young guys and getting young guys into group. And, uh, I just love, I love that because if I can get these guys in a decade before Mm -hmm. I got in, imagine where they're going to go.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 75% of my current group I got from Josh Putnam, by the way.
3: (laughs) So,
1: (laughs) Sean, you mentioned you were with him, but did you have to navigate that for yourself at all? Of like, if his story's out there, it means our story's out there. It means I'm, you know, I'm the wife in this story. Mm -hmm. And people can, you know, take things different ways or make their own judgments. Did you have to navigate any of that personally of people knowing and being in a church where people knew your story?
2: I mean, not really. I mean, yeah, obviously I thought about it, but I didn't. I just trust him like his character is so strong that I don't know like people could think what they want and make the judgments that they want but I what a babe yeah I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I I don't know that's a hard question because I do care what people think but um, for some reason it just felt like easy to let it go
0: yeah
1: yeah, well, I I think that's a statement of where you guys were at yeah. in terms of your marriage and totally. seeing healing and recovery. There there comes a moment of like, our reputation is worth way less than the ability this has to make an impact for yeah. other people. Because mm-hmm. you you realize in the story, you're not alone. You're not the only couple. You, yeah. You're not the only ones. And you do have that thought of like, man, if, if our story could help someone X number of years earlier than it did us, wouldn't that be worth it? And I, I think... If you can see that perspective, then it is worth it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, that doesn't mean it's fun or easy, but, mm-hmm. but there's a perspective that says this is, this is good and it's healthy and it's right to do mm-hmm. because of what it, the impact it can have on others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Totally.
1: So how, you know, speaking of that, um, as you look back now and you guys are a ways into your healing, how would you say your relationship, you know, your marriage in particular, but just relationships in general, how have they changed since you began the healing journey?
0: You go
3: ahead. I had pretty much no relationships outside of our marriage for all of our marriage. So I had a really difficult time managing. I wanted to have a guy friend here or there, but it was always, there was just weird vibes in the marriage about like, well, I should really be spending time with my wife. It just got, it was confusing, you know? And I didn't know how to deal with that either um it's just totally different now like i have mm-hmm. male friendships that i love S- some of them are pd guys you know who, are, who i went through a group with mm-hmm. i have so many people i can lean on and so i feel stronger you know and um i just have friends like i i have friends and my friends are close with me and they've got my back and they know me and there's nothing hidden and so the friendship thing is huge. Even my relationship with my parents are, is different because going through the pure desire process, at first you, it feels weird because you feel like you're dishonoring your parents. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you're blaming it's like, them for stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mom, right. you failed me here. And dad, yeah. you failed me here. Right. And, and you almost have to do that to get to a place, at least for me, of forgiveness. And I was able to, I don't even know if I was consciously doing this, but I was able to like, let my past be my past and almost forgive my parents in that way for just the little ways they were ill-prepared as sure. well. Yeah, And and now I get to lean in with them about their lives and they're always thanking me like, thank you for bringing this up in my life. Whereas for my siblings, it's a little harder to, for them to talk with my parents about things. Yeah. For me, I'm not even feeling like I'm confronting anybody. We're just having a conversation yeah. and they feel honored by my ability to speak into their life it's just like how how does this this is such a blessing Mm. because I love my parents to death I think they did an amazing job and it's weird to say but they never talked about sex and then totally and uh and so my relationship with my parents has been super affected by that because they know me too now and my my whole story is integrated and so wherever I go my story comes with me and it means that basically there's integrity there because I'm the same here as I am at church, as Mm. I am at home. And I mean, I'm cooler at home. (laughs) Cool. But anyway, (laughs) y'all get the point.
2: Mm -hmm. I think my answer to that question for our marriage anyway, would be like, Josh is always, I've always admired him, like even just as a 19 year old when we met. You know, he's just carried something that I love, obviously, like a um, wisdom, I think. And but he, I would say, went from a boy to a man. You know, he was a boy, hurting boy because he just still was stuck in those patterns that were formed as a little boy, literally. Yeah. You know, and just like I was too. And you know um i was gonna say still am i'm working on it but <laughs> i just you know yeah, it's a, yeah, a, a totally. constant, yeah sure i don't know but um but yeah he's i mean it's worlds different it's our relationship is worlds different and just daily getting better but that yeah. was the the pivotal moment for us was um pure desire and then him getting into health and then my respect obviously for him went way higher and then um I had a thought there and it slipped, but...
0: One, one question, I, I'm curious, because I know you guys have a couple of kids, like what has that dynamic, like being through Pure Desire, being through the recovery and healing process, how do you see that playing out in health in your relationship with your kids?
3: I mean, the primary benefit there is it's playing out in our relationship, especially in conflict and in conflicts with each other. They're so short and they're quick and they resolve they actually resolve. So conflicts before, there would be a a moment of conflict Mm -hmm. and usually it was a straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. So there's all this built up stuff Mm -hmm. and then I have a three-day recovery from my heart to really like accept her again. I build up these walls between us and and she wouldn't want to really talk about it or resolve it. And so I would just go away and just into this anxiety depression zone and that fed into my addiction as well. And so... And that was like predictably pretty three days, like a three day thing through the pure desire process and learning about the brain and how it works. I started to engage conflict differently and we started having quicker things where I wouldn't have this anxiety and depression. I would, I would access anger. Like I'd get angry, but I'd learn how to manage it in a way that I wasn't mm-hmm. sinning and I wasn't so aggressive that I was intimidating her or anything, but I was still able to get angry rather than just suppressing anger. And it all just stays bottled up and costs me later. And so our conflicts went from three days to like three hours at first. Mm -hmm. And then that just works down to, I mean, Mm -hmm. I can't remember our last long conflict. It's like usually... 10 or 15 minutes and I crack a joke and she laughs and it's over, (laughs) you know, like where we realize, okay, we kind of get what happened. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and I remember what I was going to say about like my, my respect for him went higher, but I also felt like, um, and again, this isn't everybody's experience where the Lord blesses you in the process, but it really did feel like God was, was blessing Josh and me, our relationship, because of us taking these right steps, Mm -hmm. it felt that way. Like even this job of us being able to move and Josh getting basically a promotion, he was doing a totally different type of job, but a job that was security for our family. We had a little one. I'm so thankful. Again, this isn't everybody's story, but all of this happened while we had a tiny little baby. So it just like most of our child rearing or you know, raising children has been in health. And I'm so thankful for that because again, they, like Josh said, they've been able to see us, you know, do conflict a lot better than we used to and, in health, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's such a blessing because we love being able to just be on the same team about parenting and loving our children. And it's just such a gift, especially knowing what it's like to have parents who you know had the conflict and it didn't work so well it's now it's just being on the same team and being able to let them be the focus of you know when things are hard we get it doesn't have to be our drama that takes the cake you know what i mean yeah yeah
3: yeah we still have plenty of we can see where our where our current problems affect our kids especially davy he's five and so we see, yeah. we see when he notices we're having a conflict. And so he reacts totally. after that, usually taking one of our sides, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's always how it goes. Yeah. And so he decides, and he'll come up and hit one of us is basically <laughs> what oh happens. Like, gosh. what? You know, we're like, yeah. we didn't teach you to hit, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Yeah. So, uh, I know, and you've already talked about this, but like think, you know, maybe individually, but then also as a couple, what has the Lord opened up as far as ministry opportunities now that you have been in healing and recovery. What does that look like? Relationships, maybe it's groups, whatever it may be. What does that ministry look like for you guys?
3: Oh man. I, I mean, there's two ways for me personally to like, look at this is one is pure desire related. So I've been able to get a bunch of, especially young guys into groups and that's just a blast. Um, so that's kind of like the direct obvious One, but there's a secondary one that going through the pure desire process has given me the skills to operate in life in a more consistent manner by God's design for how that works. So it means like I'm in seminary right now through my church. Uh, I I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have the the right kind of confidence because it's not a confidence in myself but it's a it's a confidence in being able to take on responsibility that's been given to me um and embracing duty and responsibility has been huge just in this season it, again it feels so unrelated to pure desire yeah. type stuff but it's invaded my whole life i work mm, yeah. like crazy like yeah. i come home and we have got this little hobby farm we've got an acre almost and uh so 6 days a week i work and we practice Sabbath on Fridays. So we have all day Friday and we prepare for Sabbath on Friday and, and then we all rest and we play and we have fun. And, um, that's just a new paradigm for me because it was always about being lazy and saving, conserving energy. And so I just, I'm a new person. I mean, I'm a completely different person. I like being me Mm -hmm. and I hate, I used to hate myself, Yeah, hate myself. Yeah. So it's just affected everything. I mean, it's affected all of the things that I'm that I take the risks to do uh, are because of going through this process, uh, and it's worth yeah. Life is worth the risks. Totally.
2: That's good. <laughs> That's real good. That's cool. Very cool.
0: And I know that you guys have been involved with groups, you know, and leading it too. And I know, um, you know, and I, I mean, I'll talk you you guys up a little bit too. Like you being up front, you know, which really means you guys are up front, like you're this known entity in this community that, um, you know, worship pastors every once in a while, able to kind of sneak in some like truth, you know what I mean? In between songs and stuff. Uh, Some of them overdo it and we'll pray (laughs) for those guys, but uh, (laughs) Putnam doesn't do that for sure. But I know that it's able to bleed out in that way too. That you being a real person who's acknowledging emotion, acknowledging pain. Um, I remember you had the opportunity to get up and talk about addiction in a sermon not that long ago, and uh-huh. having that opportunity um, because of your position, you're able to influence in ways that yeah, the church normally isn't influenced. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. some good opportunities there.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we so appreciate you guys and your story and the ways you've told it and been an encouragement in the local church, as Trevor mentioned. As you, you know, think about your story and people listening to this episode, what, what's a word of encouragement that you would just want to leave people with today? What's, what's kind of a, either a summary thought or kind of the big idea for me of like, man, this is what really stands out to me that I'd want to encourage someone else with today?
3: Do you want to take the lead? <laughs> um,
2: I'm curious what you would say. But I I have like maybe cliche. Cliche, there's hope and you're yeah. not alone for sure. So do it. Get in a group. Get healthy. <laughs> it's not cliche at all. It's yeah. legit. Yeah.
3: It's hard to do. Yeah, I, mine is similar to that. Just let now be your rock bottom. Hmm. Because and maybe you're the type of person who likes to research everything before they could jump in. I'm kind of that way as well. And, and there's all you've come up with all these reasons, but the reality is you're stuck. If you know you're kind of stuck and you're not doing some of these things, get in a group, just suck it up and do it. Take a deep breath and make that initial contact and do it right now. And I don't think you'll regret it, but you're, if you're not going to do it now, you're probably not going to do it.
0: Yeah. One of the things I've, I've loved just listening to you guys' story is that, um, it's really clear that the recovery process, the healing journey has impacted every aspect of your life. It's not just something that, um, you've stopped this behavior, but you know, you still have conflict or you're still hiding in the dark or whatever, like you guys are out in the open and have allowed this to, and I think you even use the word invade, like just invade every dynamic of your life. And that's inspiring. I think that that's ultimately what this whole process is about is becoming a better follower of Jesus, more into who he's created us to be. And it's very clear that you guys are doing that. And so we really appreciate, um, I know you. that you guys have shared your story before, but I do know that it's an extra layer of vulnerability when you're on camera and when you're on a podcast. And yeah, we just appreciate you guys getting childcare to come in <laughs> and sit with us. So we love you guys and thanks for sharing your story. Thanks well, for having thank us. Thank
2: you so much. And just, we just are endlessly grateful for this ministry. So,
3: yeah. And thank you for pursuing us just along the way. Yeah. You reaching out to me back in the day to jump into yeah. a Pure Desire Group mm-hmm. that I never mm-hmm. experienced. Yeah, and talking with Shauna about the trauma of having divorced parents—that was like a big deal. Totally blew Mm -hmm. her mind. So, and both of you guys—I mean, I nerded out on you guys before I really (laughs) knew you. You know, I'm like—I remember going up to Nick for the first time to say hi, and it was just at church, just busy, and he's like saying hi to all these people, and I'm like, it's Nick Stumbo, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, Good times That's awesome. Mm -hmm. We love it. Yes,
0: and yeah, no, totally. And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help you take back your life from unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. If you or someone you know needs recovery and healing, go to puredesire.org and begin the journey today. If you like this episode or are a fan of the podcast, please share it with others and make sure to check out the full episode on YouTube as well. And lastly, I never stop being home. Here's what's coming up next week on the Pure Desire Podcast. Nothing about that felt triggering to me. The recovery plans are not just to set it and forget it.
3: I feel when I get in that rut and I'm like, I feel like I need something. I
0: start to actually feel shame about those
1: behaviors. A number of years in my recovery, that was just an area of my life I had to eliminate.
0: And I'm like, oh, now I have OCD, that's fine.
1: Life is not the same anymore. That's appropriate, asking for help, but it's not appropriate just to expect them to do the work for you.